What is up? Welcome to Forefront 360, a podcast where we take you all around the intersection of the arts and the Christian faith. I am your host, Cody Schweikert, and I've got the legendary founder of Forefront Festival with me today, my dear friend, best man at my wedding, Nathan Mancini. How are you, my friend? I'm doing very well. I'm grateful to be uh, chosen for this episode. Oh, wow. Getting started early. <laughs> Just so you know, folks, uh, Nate is in charge of the soundboards, too, so he is punctuating his own jokes, if you will. Um, I do what I that's can. That's beautiful, man. I've missed that in my life. Uh, our listeners maybe are not uh, keeping tabs on my life. I have perhaps not the most important thing in their world is my comings and goings, but I uh, did recently get married, moved to Toronto, Ontario. That is in the country of Canada. <laughs> and uh, I left uh, my beloved Rochester behind, including uh, some of my closest friends. So I'm thrilled to be here with you tonight, man. Um, not only do we get to chat about something that's really important in the, the Christian art world, but also uh, this is like one way to excuse like hanging out together. So uh, yeah. yeah, man. Well, listeners, uh, we're going to tackle something. It's overdue. This show is overdue this episode, I feel, mm -hmm. because um, a few years ago, uh, Nate, you told me about this show called The Chosen. Um, it's a few years old. Uh, it's kind of based on the ministry of Jesus Christ and his followers. And uh, Nate, you told me to watch this like years ago, um, at least two years ago. I think you even mentioned it on one of our like Forefront Arts Review episodes. But you spoke about it, and essentially what you said was, this show is making me like fall in love with Jesus more. Like it mm -hmm. makes me love Jesus more. That's yeah. essentially like what's, what's your takeaway. And I, I didn't forget that. I was like, Oh wow. I, I really have to check that out. But I'm notoriously bad at like uh, keeping up with shows. Um, the Mandalorian have not watched even the last the Star two Wars ones. <laughs> even the Star Wars ones are tough for me. I'm slow. I'm slow, but faithful. I always get to them. But uh, anyway, I remembered you spoke about it in for multiple years i didn't do anything about it and uh my lovely wife nichelle was like hey let's watch this i've watched uh the first two seasons and they're coming out with the third season so uh i'll re-watch these episodes with you and let's get through it and uh we did and man i had the exact same experience like i love jesus more i feel like i actually know him better now um mm. But uh, we're not here just to gush over the show. We will be doing that, but we're also going to think critically about it and not uh, criticize it, right? But um, this is a really thought-provoking kind of idea. Like, let's tell the story of Jesus. That's, mm -hmm. wow. Um, That's what, a, what a big undertaking. Yeah, yeah. so uh, Nate and I are going to be breaking the show down, and it will have uh, spoilers of seasons one through three. We're going to be kind of mentioning stuff all over the place, and... Uh, Boiling plot points and all that. So if you haven't read the Bible or if you have, but haven't seen the show yet, um, just be warned that, uh, you know, we're going to be chatting about it. We don't want to spoil it for you. Uh, let's do a quick overview. Nate, can you just explain like how this show came to be? Because it's not just like Netflix dropped this show, right? It's a it's a unique kind of proud source funding situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'd love to give give a little overview of that. So the uh, showrunner and director of The Chosen is Dallas Jenkins. Uh, you might know his dad actually is having written the Left Behind series. 
but uh, Dallas is, you know, his his own person and has had his own journey, and he was very uh, interested in becoming a movie director. And he'd made he'd made a few things by 2017, but in that year, this movie came out called The Resurrection of Gavin Stone. And Jenkins says, the day before it came out, I was a director who had some of the biggest Hollywood producers lined up to work with me, and I was set for the next 10 years. The day after it came out, it was all gone. I didn't know what my future was or what I was going to do because the movie had done so poorly at the box office. So he's at this point of like total failure in his career that this movie is bombed that he he made and, and put out in theaters. And, and so as he was dealing with this, he, I've, I've heard him, you know, talk about this in interviews and he says that, you know, he was just like crying with his wife and asking God, like, why is this happening and what am I supposed to do about it? And, you know, Cody, like off the air, you and I were just talking about God answering strange prayers. And Mm -hmm. apparently his wife said like, we just got to read the feeding of the 5,000. I just, I, I'm, I'm hearing from God, not audibly, but I just know that we're supposed to read this. <clears throat> so they read that mm-hmm. and just like meditated on it. And shortly afterward, Dallas was at his computer and he was just writing some stuff to kind of process what was going on in his head and like how he could, he, how he could avoid this sort of failure in the future. And he gets a Facebook message from somebody who he hasn't talked to in forever and like barely knows. And the message just says, you don't have to feed the 5,000. You just have to bring the loaves and the fish. Whoa. And he's like, <laughs> first of all, he's like, why are you up at 4 a.m.? Like this guy's like messaging him. And this guy's like, oh, I'm in another country and it's time zones. He's like, why did you send me this message? And the guy's like, well, it's it's not me. Like God just told me to send you that. Um, so it's just kind of this, this incredible what? moment that really be, be kind of became Dallas's philosophy is as he made this show of like, look, we're not going to to worry about the results and we're not going to be concerned with like fear of failure and that sort of thing, you know, nor are we going to think that we're our own savior, but we're just going to bring the loaves and the fish and we're just going to let God do with it what he will. So at, at around this time, uh, he was he was uh, planning to make this short film for his church about the birth of Christ, and it was from the perspective of the shepherds. And so he went ahead and made this short film, and it was just this film for his church's Christmas Eve service, you know, just a little thing. But while he was doing that, he got the idea to do this multi-season series about Jesus and all the backstories of the characters in Jesus's life. And he thought, you know, it's kind of a crazy idea, but, but I'd love to make this happen somehow. And this service called VidAngel, which is this like video filtering and streaming service, hears about this idea. They love it. And they said, we think we can raise the money through crowdfunding, which basically means the people can, can bring the money. We can get individual people or investors to, to put up the money for this series. And he was, he was not confident in that idea. But mm. he said, let's give it a shot. And uh, they, they did this kind of uh, this initial investment model where you actually were investing and you would, you know, hypothetically make money back if the show is successful and that kind of thing based on this initial video about the birth of Christ from the perspective of the shepherds. And people people watched it like like millions of people watched it on Facebook and on YouTube and just like started investing and uh, ultimately they, they raised like 
four million dollars and shot the first four episodes um and then they had like a pause in the funding and they're like what do we do next another six million comes in so by the end of the first fundraising round um in january 2019 the project had raised over 10 million dollars so it was uh, a massive success and it became the most successful crowdfunding campaign ever for you know uh for like a, a media property like this you know the the top crowdfunded film project so really an incredible you know success story in that regard and i think an amazing story of coming from the lowest point to mm-hmm. to really kind of a, a high point that uh you think about all of the christian related properties coming out right now the the chosen is one of the biggest and most talked about uh, Mm -hmm. film properties related to christianity that people are talking about right now um so it's a big deal and and seems like the lord has really really blessed it oh man yeah dude i didn't even know a lot of that so thanks for giving us the background info there um yeah uh the show, uh, for those of you, again, if you haven't watched it, that's fine. Um, let me just like lay the stage here with uh, just an overview of like the show's mission. This is from their website. So I'm sure some of you have read the book. Yeah, the book is great. <laughs> All four of them are solid. Um, <laughs> so The Chosen is the first, this is from their website. Chosen is the first ever multi-season series about the life of Christ. It's the free show that tens of millions of people won't stop talking about. Show overview. As the biggest crowdfunded project in TV history, The Chosen is the first ever multi-season show about the life of Jesus. The series allows viewers to see the life of Jesus through the eyes of those who knew him. Follow the transformations of his followers through the ministry of Jesus as he journeys to change the world. Yeah, so this is this is the key part that I want to discuss with you, Nate. That the show hopes to take you deeper into gospel stories by retelling and expounding on the character and intentions of Jesus and those who knew him. That word expounding is something I want to revisit because this is not merely uh, a retelling of the gospel stories. This is uh, the gospel stories are the the bones and the structure of the story. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, they, they fill in, they take liberties to fill in details that are not in scripture, which is uh, really helpful, exciting, and controversial, and maybe even dangerous. Like it's very, very interesting. So we're going to dive into that. But before mm-hmm. we do that, uh, let's just hit like what the show does well. Clearly, both you and I like enjoy the show. Um, what does it do well? Uh, how does it improve upon like other recent scripture to screen adaptations? There are a lot of things that I think this show does well, and I think maybe to to kick off our discussion here, I'll read. A, a quote from an article in Texas Monthly, and it says, Jenkins, himself an evangelical, was inspired by secular, if similarly impassioned shows such as Friday Night Lights, The West Wing, and The Wire, and wanted to make a show with a similar naturalistic bent that delved into the people and politics of Jesus' time. That meant less emphasis on the divine and more focus on the human, Jesus included. Hmm. So I bring that up because there there are a couple things there. Um, one is that this show focuses on the human side of of everything, and mm-hmm. there are these you know supernatural things that happen, and the show amazingly demonstrates you know the miracles of Jesus and that sort of thing. But but the focus is not a lot of uh, you know fire from heaven 
and bright lights and shock and awe. The, the focus is the nitty gritty, the down to earth, the, the stuff of life as mm-hmm. these real people in a real place are following a real savior who became a real human. And I think that that's, that's really powerful that, you know, to me, the one thing that chosen does well is that it doesn't show like a detached Jesus, like a caricature, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it tries to show him as a real person with mm-hmm. real conflicts and involved in real kind of messy human situations and all the people around him with all of the problems that people have, um, who right. just happened to, to be called by this incredible savior. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. For me, I kind of, I, I noted the same thing, this, this word of characterization, like it, it does characterize Christ in a way that, um, hadn't been done for me before because maybe I just hadn't reflected well enough on scripture or what, but, but like you read in scripture, like, uh, Jesus healed people, many places he went, right. Mm -hmm. He healed, you know, everyone that came to him, Jesus healed. That's just a, like half of a verse in scripture that, um, you read it a million times and you just breeze past it. But there's one episode where like the entire episode, you don't see Jesus because he is dealing with, uh, hundreds of people lined up to be healed and to see this, to meet this miraculous, you know, rabbi that is, you know, the word is spreading or so you don't even see him. You, you spend time with his disciples and they're just like, Oh yeah, Jesus is still healing people. I'm off my shift. I'm going <laughs> to, you know, sit, get off my feet for a few minutes. And, and he's just like, like the first healing you see that, that if I recall correctly, Jesus heals this man with a leper, right? He comes out of like, this trail in the woods and he's, he's a sick guy with spots all over him and everyone with Jesus jumps back and is like, get back, get back, get back. You know? And Jesus of course walks up and touches the man to everyone's shock, which again, it's in scripture and you you really have to meditate and understand, wow, this was significant because lepers weren't allowed to be part of. So this is a really huge deal in scripture. But when you're able to see a visual like adaptation of it, it's so beautiful, man. Like mm-hmm. he comes to this man who's an outcast and you see the spots disappear immediately. It's miraculous. And the special effects are better than I expected. Right. In the, in those little scenes where, like you said, they, they don't go super hard on the supernatural stuff. They don't lean into that. Um, exclusively. They actually, they, uh, are measured in how they like, um, show those scenes and those miracles so that they have a ton of weight when you do see crazy stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that that's what I mean by characterization. Like you, you understand Jesus' compassion better when you realize like, oh yeah, that would be exhausting to stand in a field for 12 hours a day and heal uh, sick people that are hurting and yeah. broken and hope like the compassion, the the endurance, the strength it takes to just physically do that as a man um, is remarkable um and then the the other piece of course the characterization of the disciples which i admit were were not characters i was super interested in before this show Mm -hmm. like okay i know peter's a huge deal paul later on has like always been the one that i cared most about because like i've read his letters and his words the most i feel like i know paul the best because we have so much scripture from his mind and and the lord's obviously the lord's word but uh yeah, man, getting to know these other guys, the sons of Zebedee, these sons of thunder, like 
John the Baptist, like, oh my gosh, it just, I just feel like I know them better. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I care about them more and they're real people, man. And they're like going to meet them one day, I presume. Like, it's just, it's very cool. You know, one thing you mentioned is like that sequence where Jesus is healing people and, and most of the episode is just the disciples like chatting amongst themselves and, you know, arguing and that sort of thing. And that, you know, showcases that this show is called The Chosen and and it really focuses primarily on the disciples. Yeah. And yeah. To, to the extent that it is showcasing the life of Jesus, it is through the eyes of his disciples. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is an excellent choice for a show yep. like this. Subtle. Yeah. Yep. For, for a variety of reasons. Um, but one of them, just from a storytelling perspective, I mean, you and I love storytelling and we love picking apart, you know, what makes a good story and what makes for a, a good, you know, character arc and good conflict. You think about the character of Jesus. He's perfect, right? He's mm-hmm. never going to yeah. do anything wrong. Right. And right. yes, like those who have read the book uh, know he's going to die, but mm-hmm. you also know the manner in which he's going to die. And so anytime up to that point, like there's no real peril, like Jesus is just going to, you know, wave off any difficulties that come his way. Right. Cause he's, he's God and he's got a plan. Mm-hmm. And so it's not to say that there's no no conflict for Jesus, right? Jesus experiences temptation. Jesus experiences hardship. These things happen. But as a viewer watching it, I don't, you know, believe quote unquote watching Jesus that this show is going to bring, you know, real like peril and issues that he's not going to be able to solve. I think, look, those Pharisees waltz up and they start questioning him. He's just going to slam them down with the best response ever. Like he, like he is masterful. He's going to win. And, and that's true, but his followers were, (laughs) Not yet uh, at this level. I mean, they were just ordinary people that he called to him. And there is a real sense that like they are going to make major mistakes along the way. And they're going to run into real trouble along the way. Because as you're watching his disciples, you know, like they're going to argue amongst themselves. They're going to create discord amongst themselves. They're going to like not follow Jesus's teachings properly. They're going to like mess things up. They're going to get in the way. Um, They're going to fail. And like, so just knowing that, knowing the fact that, yeah, he's perfect, but they're not. The fact that the story is focused on the disciples, I think allows us to have real conflict in the story. Cause I'm, Mm -hmm. I I can watch the Jesus scenes and be like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. Everything's going to go go great. But then I watch a, a, a Peter scene Oh or an gosh. Andrew scene. And it's yeah. like, this could, Hey, this could go crazy. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. You right. know, and and that, I relate yeah. to that guy. I relate to that guy. Yeah. You know? And so I think yeah. that, that brought in real, you know, conflict to the story. And, and that's part of what like keeps you watching. Cause you want to, you want to see yeah. what happens. How's all this turn out? Are they going to truly like follow Jesus or are they just going <laughs> to keep messing up? Yeah. No, you're so right. I mean, it's so easy to say, okay, I'm going to make a show about Jesus and and just be like, okay, this is about Jesus. And the other Mm. people are just like side characters because in the gospels, you know, the gospels are written to explain the ministry of Jesus and to figure out who this man is, this God. And that, that is, you know, their purpose. All four of them have kind of a different slant, right? Different purposes to written for different people and all that. But 
the gospels are about Jesus. This this show uh, has the highlights are about Jesus, but uh, the real the the heart and soul of the show is really carried in these people that you come to relate to and be like, oh my gosh, like mm-hmm. I actually I relate. This is how it this is is how it feels to be in a community of people that you don't agree with all the time and uh, to try to follow God when you don't always understand like what what the strategy is here. Yeah. Um, and talk real real quick, and we can move on. But the when we meet Judas, man, like right after the the Sermon on the Mount, we meet Judas, and mm. it's crushing because you you do know how it goes for Judas, yeah. but you meet him, and you just you already don't like him, right? It's like okay, Judas is here, like oh this guy, <laughs> but then but then like you see like, dude, he has a serious encounter with God, and like yeah. looks like he's looks like he starts off with good intentions, and like. You get along that like you start to care about him, which makes it all the more crushing mm-hmm. when uh, what's going to happen is going to happen. Like it just yeah. reflects reality more because Jesus probably loved this dude, you know, like Jesus, like this, this was a follower, you know, I think it was a great choice. We, we've talked a lot about Star Wars, right? You got Anakin falling from grace and we can talk about an, at another time, we could talk about how successful that was in terms of, you know, how, how crushing was it when that occurred, even mm-hmm. knowing that it was going to occur, how crushing was it given the way that Anakin was characterized? Um, yeah. I think it's super effective when there is a character who is going to fall from grace that you do you do actually have that likability factor where it's like, yes, there are the hints of, you know, issues here that are there, you know, the signs are there, but you really like, you really love him and you really want him to do the right thing. Like that kind of deep connection to a a character who's, who's ultimately going to fall. I think it's, yeah, it's important for that dramatic tension. Yeah. And I just don't want, I don't want to care about him because it's so painful, but Guess what? Reality is painful. The agony is real. It's a complex yeah. world, you know. And so, I, I appreciate the way sh- the show did that. I can't. I can't hold off anymore, man. I got to ask this question: what, what What are the highlights of the shows, man? I'm going to be honest. I'm going to more a little more emotional guy than you are as far as uh, feeling things strongly and sensitivity and all that. Probably ninety percent of the episodes, um, I was in tears at some point, mm. um, which is not you know not normal. Like. Most movies do not make me cry, but like, dude, some of the scenes here, man, like talk about the first episode, the first episode, you have no idea what this show is. You're like, oh, it's really about the disciples. Like there's there's no mention of Jesus, right? Like, I don't even know who these people are right away. Just following these, following these fishermen around this dusty town. And it's like, okay, what, where are we going here? And then, you know, we, we, we meet Mary Magdalene who is possessed by demons the Pharisee Nicodemus tries to cast it out, fails. And this woman is rock bottom. She's close to committing suicide. We get a little bit of a backstory about how her father was like this godly figure in her life and taught her this great passage from Isaiah to memorize, you know, don't be afraid. I've called you by name, all that. And see, we're made to care about this woman early on. Mm-hmm. We get her story. We see that she's in the absolute pit of despair shame hopelessness and then jesus christ comes out of nowhere at the very end of the episode bro when he he shows up at the bar and puts his hand on her hand and she looks up to see who just did that and you look into like the eyes of jesus right this actor jonathan rumi who we'll discuss um who dude i i can't i'm speechless man when he 
when he gives her that that verse from Isaiah that she's held on to since she was a little girl and he recites it to her. But it's actually God speaking to her the words. I mean, I, dude, I, I I just speechless, man. I was so moved by that. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a great thing that that the show does so well. Is it you know establishes characters and gets you to care about them you know prior to their interactions with Jesus, and mm-hmm. it, it does that thing that you know, many, many of the great shows today do this, but it's very effective where they develop multiple plot lines simultaneously and mm-hmm. then, you know, bring them together at key moments. And on a, on a, on a typical episode, it'll do like what you talked about with Mary Magdalene. It'll develop her as a character and then we'll show that interaction with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that happens with, you know, character after character that were introduced to them at the, at the, you know, front of an episode and then by the back they have that encounter. And I think right. that's, that's effective, but on the larger scale, it's like you have these different groups of people doing different things. Maybe that's Jesus and his, you know, group of disciples, but then there'll be some other plot line. Maybe that's the Roman soldiers. Maybe that's the Pharisees that are, that are kind of working on their own thing or their own plot. And then mm-hmm. it'll bring all those things together at these key moments you know, often, you know, right at the end of a season or whatever. And that's, uh, it's just so, it's so cool. Like when that happens, you just, you just start to really feel just the reality of these situations that God is orchestrating all these events to come together and all these people to intersect with this God man and like what's going to happen when this powder keg all comes together. It's really special. Right. In, in the thrill of kind of knowing some info, but really not knowing how it's going to unfold is yeah. really like, it, it's really a, like a wonderful watch because it's not usually like that unless, you know, if you've read a book and yeah, yeah I guess it is like other adaptations, but um, just these stories, you know, if you've been following Christ for some time, these stories are so ingrained in your heart. And so they're really special to you. And maybe you've even relied on them you know to get through seasons of difficulty in life maybe you've you've just been rejoicing over these stories of redemption for years maybe since you were a child and mm-hmm. to see them brought to life but not knowing how or when like yeah. we we have this Gaius character right this roman soldier who kind of was the bodyguard for matthew the tax collector and you know we're, we've all but fallen in love with this Gaius guy even though he's you know he's with the bad guys rome and we're supposed to, you know, this is a world of division and these people roll with these people and these people are separate from these people. And of course, Jesus is just shaking all of these little flimsy, you know, social lines. And uh, we know what's going to happen with guys, man. We know that he's going to come to Jesus and be like, hey, you know, will you heal my son? You don't have to come to my house. You know, you can just say the word. And we know Jesus is going to turn and be like, I've not seen such faith in all of, you know, Israel. And, yeah. but I, but but they just left us hanging with the guys in season three and it hasn't happened yet. And we don't know how and yeah. when it's just so thrilling. Yeah. But the, the next, uh, I'm, I'm just going to run through some highlights here. So if you have favorite scenes, we'll alternate. Okay. But I'm going to say the next one here is uh end of season one, right after uh, Jesus meets the woman at the well, uh, Jesus has uh, begun his public ministry. Now he turned the water into wine. And then by the end of season one, he is uh, going into this town uh, after telling the woman, you know, like you've, yeah, this, the man you have now, is not your husband. You've had five husbands, that whole story. 
and uh, the disciples follow follow him into town. And the end of the season, like this guitar comes in. I'm like, what? There's just like this radical like guitar playing. I'm like, just, are like, they sauntering to into the town? Yeah, he's just like swaggering into the city. And I'm like, it's okay, like a this band. is like this is like when Quentin Tarantino put like a rap song in a Civil War era Django movie. Um, but anyway, I love, I just love when the guitar rolls in every now and then they're just like, yeah, we're going to play some guitar over this. Cause Jesus is <laughs> bad dude. All right. Your turn. Uh, I love that. Those, those fun little touches. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just like when it gets a little bit of attitude <laughs> to, the, yes, the to the attitude, show, bro. to the edit, you know, it's like the attitude. Uh, yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll mention this one next cause it's relevant, but, uh, season two, episode four, the healing of the paralytic at the pool of Bethesda. You know, so so many things about that scene are great. But I was just thinking when you mentioned that, like, like Jesus leaves and and Matthew's like, you know, why did you wait till? Why didn't you just like wait a little bit longer so it wouldn't be Shabbat? And and Jesus is like sometimes you gotta shake things up a little bit. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Guitar shredding, you gotta electric. stir things up a little bit. It's like oh my goodness. And then and then at the other guitar music, and then Jesus starts sauntering. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's not corny to me, bro. I'm into it. I'm I'm like all the way into it because again they use they do that stuff pretty sparingly. Yeah. It's measured. It's not corny or over the top to me, and I I love it, dude. Yeah, um, but but that I, sequence, I, to... I mean, I mean, tell yeah. oh, tell yeah. me like what what you love about it. But it's just, it's yes, it's so human. I mean, so many of the shots are just the close ups on the paralytic's mm. face and on Jesus's face, and that that deep connection and um and just like the realization when the paralytic realizes that like he can actually be healed and that the <laughs> one who can accomplish it is here. Um, yeah, just a pure joy in him yeah. and in, in so many of the people who are healed. And then when, when they're joyful and then when, when, you know, Jonathan Rumi is Jesus just breaks out with his just complete grin, like yeah. Jesus just yeah. gets so happy, you know, when people oh. get, get healed and they're, they're just brought to life. Um, it's amazing, you know, cause you're amazing. like, yeah, like Jesus is loving those moments. He loves to heal. He loves when people rise up and walk. And every time he meets someone and heals them, he looks at them. And again, Jonathan Rumi is just crushing it. He's he's really a fine actor. Like he mm -hmm. because the the things he does with his eyes, the way he looks at people, he'll look at someone. And we've just met this person. Maybe this is like uh, the the person that needs to get healed for this episode, which is the paralytic at the pool. Uh, but sometimes it's just like these people, like extras, that get healed. But every time. Jesus looks at these people. He's looking at them as if he's known them all their life. Mm -hmm. Like he gets happy when they're healed. He hugs them when they're, they're so like thankful. They just jump on him and it, it brings him so much joy. And I, I just, uh, it's just so good to see that visually. Um, yeah. The, 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 the episode you're referencing with this paralytic at the pool. I mean, you read in scripture like, oh, he'd been there many years. And again, that's just the verse you read. He'd been there many years, long time. Um, but what does that mean? I mean, you see this guy in the filth, man. He's been sitting in filth. His hair is disheveled. His breath probably smells terrible. Like he's he's so alone and in such darkness and despair and like mm -hmm. grimy pit of nothing, right? Uh, it, it helps to see that because it makes the joy of the healing so much uh, more powerful and triumphant. Um, so yeah, I, that, that one resonates with me too. That's on my highlights. 
I did want to mention quickly, like the fact that we don't get to see Jesus in the first episode until the very end, I thought is, is another example of this great, like measured, subtle way they do things because I, maybe this is a, the, the comparison I should make, but in the movie Jaws, uh, they, yeah. <laughs> uh, they don't show the shark very often. And that was because this mechanical shark gave Steven Spielberg <laughs> terrible problems. And like, it was really difficult to like, they had to keep repainting the shark and it was breaking and yeah. uh, they didn't end up getting as much shark footage as they wanted. But of course it like famously played out in their advantage. And the film is so much better because the yeah. suspense builds up. Right. And when you do see the shark, it's so much more effective. I think in the same way, when you finally get bits of Jesus, you're, you're just like hanging on mm -hmm. every word, every expression of the face. So yes. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the episode with Jesus and the children. I think this is in episode one. This is one of the rare episodes Season where we one. actually, yeah, we almost spend yeah. the entire episode with Jesus. And all he's doing, he's camping out. He's homeless, right? Uh, he has no place to lay his head, but he's in this tent and he's working on, uh, he's, you know, some carpentry stuff. And some kids stumble upon him. And then he wins these kids over just by being like playful and fun and approachable. Like the kids just gather and there's, he's so approachable. Um, and there's something about like something really attractive and beautiful about somebody that uh, can connect with kids. You know what I mean? Like those people, uh, yeah, I'm a school teacher, right? But I'm not like an elementary school teacher. That's a different skill, right? To really connect with kids. Um, it's just, uh, I, I don't know what I'm what I'm getting at there, but I feel like there's just something really beautiful about that episode, the way it established Jesus as like a really approachable, not scary, not stern, not like crusty old, you know, religious dude. He mm -hmm. He's the son of God and he created these little ones and um, I thought that was a really effective way to like give him an entire episode where he's just hanging out with kids. He's teaching them. He's being serious. He teaches them, you know, about the kingdom of heaven, but he also plays with them. And uh, I love that. It gives them a dimension that I need. Yeah. That's great. I really enjoyed Eric Avari as Nicodemus throughout mm -hmm. season one. I thought he, he was a really good actor um, you know, the scene where he comes to talk to Jesus at night is, is very famous and that's a great scene, but also the, the scene that they, they made up for the show where he almost decides to follow Jesus, but can't, can't bring himself to commit. Um, yeah, he's got this, he's got yeah. this whole life, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so powerful because I think it's, it's so easy for us to look upon, you know, the people in the first century and say like, if Jesus came in my day, I, you know, I would follow him. And who are all these people who aren't following it, aren't, aren't getting it, aren't listening, aren't having mm -hmm. faith, aren't dropping everything to follow this guy. But it's like, man, you realize the pressures of, of our lives that just creep in and, uh, We've got stuff to do. We got people to please. And then this rabbi rolls into town. Uh, and even when Nicodemus knows, believes that he's the son of God, like he can't, he can't just drop everything and follow him. And mm -hmm. it's such a brilliant contrast to the disciples, right? Who are willing to lay down whatever commitments they have and just mm -hmm. follow him at his call. Yeah, I thought he was fantastic, too. He's in the first episode. He's really probably mm -hmm. one of the most prominent characters that we get to know right away. Um, yeah. 
and he's he's actually the only actor that I recognize. I'm like, oh, that guy, you know, he's in the Mummy, or <laughs> yeah. um, you know, like I'm like, oh, I know this guy. Uh, yeah. So maybe that maybe that was pretty like wise to to like throw throw that guy that maybe people would be familiar with and be like, hey, just so you know, this is like a well done production. We've got like real, you know, we've got like real performers here involved with this, and uh, yeah, I thought he crushed it. Okay, let's get to. I am going to keep rolling on this. How about this? Jesus goes back home uh to to nazareth catches up with his old friends he's bad at <laughs> he's bad at sports which was really really tough for me man bad at as, as, hacky sack or whatever it is yeah, they're playing yeah, was, <laughs> kind of a kind of hand hacky sack they were playing he was bad at it and lost which to me was i struggled with this i was like <laughs> my wife was like it's fine they're trying to make him look like a man like he's a human i'm like Yo, there's no way God is not like God could take on Michael Jordan. <laughs> Jesus would beat Michael Jordan, LeBron James in like one on one. There's this is so this is blasphemy, right? No, I'm kidding. But the the that episode concludes, of course, with you know him him going back to his hometown and saying, mm-hmm. Yo, I am, I am uh this this uh promise in Isaiah. Uh I'm the one who, you know, this he reads uh, that from the prophet Isaiah. Um, I can't remember the scripture off the top of my head, but he's, but he's like, this is this prophecy from 700 years ago. This is fulfilled today in its reading, mm-hmm. basically saying like, I'm that dude. And of course they reject him. A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown. And he walks up. Unfortunately, this is not like in scripture as far as I could see. Um, I did some research because this was my favorite part of the entire show so far. Uh the 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 um the the rabbi the teacher in the synagogue walks up to Jesus and says like what did you just say are you claiming to be like you know the son of man like what are, what are you talking about you're you're just a guy like you were born here we know you you were a little boy and like we watched you grow up you're just some guy this is blasphemy like you know what the law of Moses says we have to kill you and then Jesus like there's a quiet and he steps up into this dude's face, like an inch away from his face. And he goes, I am the law of Moses. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I yeah. wish that were in scripture, but I don't think that's recorded exactly as it was. Yeah. Um, but, oh, the attitude. That is what gets me going. That's why I like Christian hip hop, because it shows a side of God that I don't think is often represented, like in the arts or in our like communities of faith. This idea that like. God is kind of a baller. Like he is, he's got some attitude. He's got some swag. He is like, he's that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's so beautiful, man. I don't know. How did you receive that scene? It was powerful, man. Yeah. Because, uh, uh, you know, I don't know how much we'll get into this because it's such a massive topic, but Jesus so often speaks in riddles. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and speaks in parables, which are a a kind of riddle in many ways. And so, so many of the things Jesus is set, Jesus says both in the show and in scripture, you're, you're kind of thinking, man, I, I, I think I understand what he means. I'm pretty sure, but I'm not like a hundred percent sure. Like I got to like think on that and I'm not really ready to really like react to it because I'm not positive. And that's just, that's one of those scenes, you know, in God's sovereignty where Jesus is just laying it all out there. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> very clearly making statements. And you know, if you were if you were confused before and you weren't sure, like you can tell by the looks on people's faces what he is confirming for them that he's like not only is he claiming to be a prophet which is clear, but also he's claiming to be the Messiah and he's claiming to be God. (laughs) And it's like, and so like, yeah, if you weren't sure about that before, like that scene just nails it where so many of the things he says are so brash and bold. And, um, yeah, I I think it's, I think it's like a beautiful and terrifying moment where he's, he, he just lets loose and, you know, effectively speaks clearly you know, to his audience, but they are not ready to receive it. They're not. No. And, uh, it reminds me of one of, um, this, this passage from scripture struck me in college when I realized how incredible it was. Um, it just seems so, so, but when you read into it and imagine like, wait, how did this play out? What did this just say? Mm -hmm. Let me read it. This is right after, um, the scene when he kind of reads this and gets driven out of the synagogue in Nazareth and they're like really angry with him. Right. All the people in the synagogue, this is, sorry, Luke 4, 28. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. Okay, so they they show this scene in the show. Yeah. Uh, they they drive him to a cliff because the, like, the law, hey, the law, God's law says we have to kill you because you just claim to be, right? This is sacrilege this is blasphemy so this is this is the verse this is the next verse and this is how the the chapter ends right not the chapter but this like a scene it says they took him to the brow of the hill which was the town where the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff verse 30 but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way that is the most like under like like what what an epic so this yeah, like, like that is such an understated line. But he walked through the crowd and went on his way. What do you mean he walked <laughs> through the crowd and went on his way? Now, I actually, this is one of my nitpicks with the show. They took the steps. I think they fumbled this a little bit, in my humble opinion, because what he does in the show is he's like, you know, no, now is not my time. You know, right? He's like, yeah, I'm going to die, but not by you guys, not today. Yeah, this isn't and happening. it's pretty cool. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah, not yet. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. But I think what's even cooler is if you're just like super faithful to the text there and maybe like Jesus just gets like this look in his eyes, like this look on his face that is just like back the hell away from me right now. You know, like this, like, I don't know how you Jonathan Rumi would really have to turn up the the <laughs> acting chops there, but like you get this look on his eyes and then everyone just kind of like meets his eyes and quivers and shakes and they just kind of back away out of like terror and fear. I don't know. I always like to imagine that as, as like Jesus didn't even have to say anything to them. He like calmly walked right through them and went on his way because like nothing is going to interrupt this plan, this journey that he's on. Um, so I don't know, but, mm. but I do, that is one of my favorite episodes, all that nitpick aside. Yeah, that is, that is a great, great sequence and a great episode. All right, you're up. I'll just say, you mentioned that like a lot of these episodes brought you to tears. That has, cer- that certainly happened for me at several points, but probably the the biggest one was just the, you know, th- these, these episodes 
um, called Clean Part One and Part Two are are huge in season three, and particularly the raising of Jairus's daughter was mm. just amazing for me. Um, you know, G- <laughs> Jesus bringing the dead to life. Like, what what can be more powerful and beautiful than that? Mm-hmm. And um, I think particularly for me being a dad now and having kids and just knowing like how much I love them and how much mm-hmm. I care for them. I know that love that a father has for his daughter and to, yeah, just see a father in just complete just sorrow and despair at that loss. Um, but then having that, that possibility and that faith that like, that so many people today lack that the person capable of reversing this tragedy is here (laughs) is present and ready to do that. Like loves to bring the dead to life. And so it's, it's just that, that true horror at the finality of death, but then just the, just that feeling you get inside of you when Jesus walks into the house and you're just like, he's here. The guy who can, reverse this death the guy who can change death into life the guy who can make everything right he just walked in so we're we're gonna be good <laughs> like, Unbelievable, man. it's good news it's good news and then he does um yeah and just like just the the tears of joy you know from from the mother and father as as their daughters restored to life and jesus is like yeah just get her get her some food ah uh, yeah somehow i forgot about that scene it's so good um, another scene I love is, uh, a little bit earlier on, I think maybe season two when, uh, I think it's Simon, the zealot gets picked up this demon possessed guy, like jumps on him and like starts attacking him and is like choking him. Like this, this demon possessed guy just like comes out of nowhere and just like jumps on one of the disciples and Jesus runs up cause he's not there, but he runs up and he's just like out of him. You know, he casts the demon out real quick and, uh, it's the first time we see like Jesus cast out a demon and then like the guy, the demon possessed guy, of course, like, you know, flies a few feet away on the ground and then kind of sits up and is in his right mind all of a sudden. And there's just this moment of silence. And then John the Baptist is just like, yeah. And he throws his, (laughs) he throws his fist up in the air. Like he's at a sports game or something. He's just like, like everyone's in awe and quiet. But of course, John the Baptist has got, the biggest faith of anyone there other than Jesus. Right. It's like, uh, you know, weird John, creepy John the Baptist <laughs> as he's characterized. And, uh, to me, that's just like, yes, that would have happened like that. Like people, there would have been this, I don't know, this like, uh, passion to it that sometimes I don't, uh, I don't notice in scripture. And again, that's not a lack, lack of scripture. It's just uh, probably my own imagination and reflection that needs to improve. But, I'll just say my last bit is um, maybe, maybe if you have more, you can go into it, but I wanted to ask you about the, the uh, season finale. Season three is uh, they've made three seasons so far and the finale there was yeah. so good. Uh, the, yeah. the, obviously the iconic, like Jesus walks out um, with the disciples are caught in a storm. They're on this mm-hmm. boat, they're stuck and Jesus walks out on the water and it was truly for me, I shouted, I was scared and I knew it was Jesus. I knew it was coming, <laughs> but 
I do the way they shot that with the lightning in yeah. him, just like the shadow of him is all you see at first. So you just see this black figure walking on the water, lightning striking. Yeah. It's scary, man. And it makes sense that like <laughs> disciples were terrified for they thought they saw a ghost, right? Yeah. And, which is in scripture. And uh and then of course he comes out, he calls Peter out of the boat. They had this incredible moment of like resolution and, and faith mm-hmm. and doubt and uh it's the way it, yeah, the, the backstory really makes that moment all the sweeter because Peter's just kind of experienced a miscarriage with his wife and um, Jesus teaches him a powerful lesson. He says like, you know, I always, I, I, I let people get hungry, but I always feed them, you know, eventually that's what he says. And it's of course related to the feeding of the 5,000 and all of that uh, coalesces into a beautiful conclusion to the season, I think. So Anyway, yeah. I, I could keep talking about the show the whole time, but uh, yeah, you're right. We do need to move on. So yeah, final think, thoughts from you on this. I think that's a great place to end our our favorite scenes. And it, that was uh, that was really a great scene. The, the whole you know concluding episode of season three, I thought was really powerful. I, I, yeah. I love those scenes when you can really get into it and you really feel like you're there and feeling what, what the characters are feeling. Um, yeah, when we're not kind of these dispassionate viewers that are like, Oh, I'm watching a show, but we're Mm -hmm. really there with them. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that's when you know that it's just firing on all cylinders. Does the show ever get like sketchy? And what I mean is like, are you ever watching the show and thinking, Ooh, this is close to like sacrilegious or they're interpreting the original text in a way that doesn't seem to jive with other parts of scripture. Because the reason the show works for me is because yes, they are inventing details and kind of imagining like they're filling in the blanks, right. Um, with their own ideas, but they are clearly doing it with like all the the wisdom they have to to keep it within the intention of scripture. So it's like, so do we know that Jesus said this thing in this moment? No, because it's not recorded in scripture. But is that something that Jesus would say based on what we know about him? Yeah. Um. So the show overall really does that well. But do you ever feel like there are moments when you're like, ooh, I don't know about that? In general, I would say no. There certainly are, are moments like lines that are spoken or little things that happen where I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, that that wouldn't have happened, or that mm-hmm. doesn't that doesn't feel like in character for Jesus or whoever. That that does happen from time to time, but in general, I'm not bothered by just the reality of the show is primarily not the text of scripture, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that's not something that bothers me. Th- this is something that that Dallas Jenkins talks about a lot you know, in terms of his philosophy of the show. And it's, it's basically, look, the show is not scripture. (laughs) It's just not. So it, you know, it's, it's a narrative TV series. And so there's some element to which it's based on, you know, scripture, it's based on the events of the gospels, but it is not scripture. And so, you know, stuff that's written for the show that's not in scripture is not adding to scripture because it's not scripture. (laughs) It's something Mm -hmm. entirely different. And, so too, it's not a replacement for scripture, right? It's some, it's something entirely different. It's this show. That's just a narrative that you're supposed to watch. And it's hopefully it inspires you to, to read the Bible. And Mm -hmm. I know that like, as he's talked about it, he said, that's what happens so often is people get inspired to read the Bible 
because of watching the show. I know that's happened for me that, you know, you watch the show and you're like, yeah, that's interesting. Like, I think I remember some of that, but maybe not all of it. How much of that is like in scripture? And like, was he in that area at that time? And did you really say those things? And so you go to the Bible and you read it and it gets you into scripture. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that if we, if we keep that dichotomy, you know, that we know, we know what's inspired scripture and we know what's not the chosen. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) I think, I think it can lead us on a really good path. And um, I would say that in general, the Chosen's done a really good job of interpreting the text enough to make the things that should be understandable, understandable, while I think maintaining the mystery in the elements that ought to remain truly mysterious. So, for example, you know, there, there are some things that Jesus says that we today don't understand because we don't know the historical context. And because the chosen is pretty good at establishing the historical context, I think it allows us to understand things that, that God expects us to understand from scripture that, you know, that we will better understand Jesus's analogies or whatever it may be. um, Now that we know how they're landing for the people in the room, as it were. Uh, So like when the chosen has Jesus, you know, talk about, the, the, the children who are, you know, singing a dirge and you did not weep or, you know, we played the flute and you did not dance, like that kind of thing. They have Jesus kind of explain it a little bit more and, and give a little bit of context around it. And you can see the crowd kind of understanding it. They understand his analogy that's like, right. you're not accepting me and you're not accepting John the Baptist. Uh, right. So you're not, I guess you're just not going to play at all. And right. So they, I think that's something that God expects us to understand from scripture. And that's something that the chosen allows us to understand. But there are other things where there are true mysteries in scripture, where there are vast disagreements about from Bible believing Christians uh, and often involving just things like this, the words of Jesus that are more mysterious. And the chosen will often just have him say stuff right about the kingdom of heaven or whatever it might be and and the people in the show are legitimately confused or aren't really sure what to think uh and i think that that's great because yeah. Yeah. it maintains the mystery that's intended to be a mystery mm. so overall right. i would say i do not often watch the show and say oh this is sacrilegious or yeah. this is, you know, going against the themes of scripture. Overall, I think it's done a great job of being in line with, you know, the, the themes and intention of scripture. Um, mm-hmm. I do have plenty of, you know, things that I, I wish were improved or, you know, nitpicks about details, but they're just that. They're about details and they're not about mm-hmm. the broad scope of, you know, interpretation. Yeah, the, I... I... Totally agree with you. Uh, the only thing that uh, the I think really the one moment where I felt distracted is when Jesus is about to turn the water into wine. He's kind of this is like his first public miracle, right? He's it's like his uh, I'm starting my ministry now kind of moment, and his mother comes to him and says, uh, "You know, we're we're they're out of wine," and at the wedding, and he's like, "You know, it's not my hour yet. It's not my time yet," and they kind of look at each other and it's like this playful moment where he's like, but I guess, you know, I'll 
no time like the present kind of thing, you know, <laughs> and that, for, for me, like, uh, it just conflicted with like an incredible sermon I heard from Tim Keller a, a bunch of mm. years ago, um, where he really, again, I don't know who's right necessarily, but to me, Tim Keller gave a beautiful, uh, sermon about that passage and about yeah. when, when she says, you know, we're out of wine, can you do something, you know, can you help? He kind of, he doesn't snap at her, but he's like, you know, why are you trying to involve me, woman? Um, mm -hmm. And he's not being disrespectful, but he's like, don't involve me. And to, in Dr. Keller's mind, what Jesus was thinking about there was blood. He was yeah. thinking about like, when he says, my time's not yet come, he's talking about the cross and like providing the blood to cover the sins of the world. Yeah. And um, he, he's meditating on that future moment. Um and then, of course, he snaps out of it or whatever and says, but but yeah, yo, let's for sure, let's go get some wine and we'll have a great party. Like, <laughs> I can do this. Um, to me, that's, I, I kind of, I like to believe that Dr. Kell is right in the show, just kind of missed that one a little bit. But, yeah, uh, no, that's, anyway. that, that's, a, that's a good example. Yeah, that, right. that really, you know, your, your interpretation of these different events and what they mean can affect the adaptation you know, in, right. into a TV show. And that might be a moment that, that really doesn't capture, you know, Jesus's meaning in that moment to the extent that it should. Right. But those are pretty rare. I'd say those moments are rare for me. Um, okay. Uh, next question. We're going to fly through some of these here. Uh, do you feel like visual mediums like films and series bring to life words of scripture? I ask that because scripture is a unique text. Scripture is, alive and active and it's god's word it's infallible it's inerrant there's no there's no problem with scripture right it's perfect and we don't have other texts or movies or stories like scripture um but then tell me why nate that i and again i'm not suggesting anyone like hey throw your bibles away just watch chosen right the chosen just forget reading scripture because the chosen is going to bring it to life in a way that scripture can't that's not what I'm saying, but I am wondering, like, why is seeing this, like, helping me connect with the person Jesus more sometimes than, like, these stories that uh, I, I don't connect with as often? Um, yeah, I, I don't love the way I express that, but I just want to open that up and see, see what your thoughts are about that. So we have scripture, this inspired text, and then we have this film, and, like, it really comes down to, like, you know, movies versus books, right? Some people need their imagination filled in. Some people need more help and some people are just smarter than me and can read and like put the pieces of the puzzle together. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting point. Uh, yeah, there, there are so many of those kind of foundational things to keep in mind, like that, you know, God, God decided to have his word in the form of a book. And, and yet, you know, it was a book that was often, passed down by oral tradition. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so we know that like a lot, a lot of the ways that people learned the Bible over the years were people telling it to them. And how did they tell it to them? They told it to them, I'm assuming with uh, a little bit of drama in their voice, tone, a little, yeah. little bit, a little bit of tone, a little bit of storytelling, maybe, maybe, maybe using some different, different voices and accents and uh, emphases and things like that. Uh, and, yeah, I think that it really shows the kind of the, the the mercy of God and the boldness of God that he 
puts so much responsibility on his creatures, right? Uh, that you know, you even even see that emblematic in a show like this, The Chosen, that. God literally comes to earth and speaks his words. But then he also tells his disciples, now you guys go preach. <laughs> and, they're yeah, like, yeah. and they're like, well, what, are, what are we supposed to say? He's like, anything I've told you, like you just go, go say it. Um, and, and you think about right from the beginning and the cre- creation mandate that it's this, this cultivation of his creation that he expects men to go out and do um, mm. mankind that he's created. And so I, I say that to say, you know, God has been allowing people to quote unquote, bring scripture to life through their voices for millennia. Uh, Mm. and you know, and and even the Bible is written by humans, right? Humans inspired by the spirit of God. He's got literally got people writing his word. Um, Mm -hmm. and now he's, he's also got people interpreting his word into other Mm -hmm. languages, most of what we read, we're, we're reading, uh, you know, translations of the Bible. We're mm-hmm. not even reading it in the original language. So there's so much that he allows humans to do. And I think, you know, this, this uh, TV show is not a translation of the Bible in that same way. Like we've talked right. about scripture is scripture and the chosen is not. But I think there's something to, to learn from that, that God is totally okay with humans using their own God-given creativity to dramatize redemptive history. And that's something that the, that the chosen is doing very well. And it's also yeah. something that, uh, you know, some other filmmakers have done rather poorly. <laughs> and, yeah. and, I, and I, you know, and that's, there, there, there are good, you know, good and bad and more effective and less effective ways of using our gifts to, um, to speak of the wonder of God and the fact that he allows all of that to exist, both the good and the bad. Uh, mm-hmm. and he, he doesn't smite out all the mistakes, but he allows these kind of human creations and creativity, this art to exist. Um, pretty interesting. And mm-hmm. we have to decide what to do with it. Right. Yeah, I guess at the root of that question is just a little bit of shame and embarrassment I feel for enjoying this show so much. And I'm probably just thinking I'm like overthinking it. <laughs> um, awesome. dude. It's a okay, common so, thing, man. Right. It's a common yeah. thing with all kinds of things where it's like, ah, oh, why, why, why do I want to watch the movie instead of reading the book? I mean, we've dealt with this with so many different stories that we love. Uh, why do I keep going back to the movie? Why, why can't I bring myself to read the you know the long trilogy <laughs> right right lord of the rings man oh, i'm almost done i'm almost done with the i'm not tim keller <laughs> <laughs> okay um yeah i'm not tim keller nate what other parts of the bible would you love to see recreated in this fashion i'll answer quickly uh i would love like unlimited budget like a really talented filmmaker like let's get christopher nolan on the line Gosh. and just be like okay read the book of revelation and now put it to film oh um, or P- P- Peter Jackson would probably do a better job. Uh, but like, could you imagine trying to adapt the book of revelation? It'd be insane. Um, oh or like goodness. Genesis, like the first chapter of Genesis would just be incredible to see like a really high budget, like high production. Uh, but my real I answer think we for could this get is Terrence Malick to do revelations. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. Uh, 
my real answer for this, if it's like Dallas Jenkins in a gang doing it, um, I would want to see like some of the the story of David, the drama there unfold. Um, mm. So much emotion, so much passion, so much human brokenness and redemption in that one story that uh, that'd probably be my choice. Yeah, which that's... we get a little we get a little taste of. Uh, yeah, <laughs> David does make an appearance in season three. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Well, well, David cameo. Yeah. Yeah. He may, he may have to be recast by the time they get around to it, but, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote down a couple, I think, uh, certainly the book of acts could make a great, uh, sequel series. Oh, yeah. You might say, I one. mean, uh, obviously we could have Saul slash Paul as a major main oh, character, but, there's a little bit of baggage there with Dallas Jenkins and Nick Cage <laughs> having starred in a left behind movie. But, um, oh, wow, yeah, yeah, I think like we talked about a series having true peril to it. One of the things about the book of acts and, and, and just the acts of the apostles in general, like so many of the apostles get martyred at various points. Right. And, and yeah. some of them we know more than others about how they met their death and such, but it's like, just knowing that, look, these are all guys headed to their death in service of the Lord. Um, and, and just kind of the, the, the relentless pursuit of spreading the gospel, um, Mm -hmm. and, and just having that, you know, heavenly mindset, but on earth, like there are so many real problems and conflicts arising right in front of their faces. Um, Mm -hmm. So that, that could actually be really great. And maybe, (laughs) maybe that will actually be what's next. I'll also just oh throw gosh. out there the books of first and second Kings oh, yeah. would make yeah. a, a gripping TV series. I think there's plenty of moral ambiguity there for a modern audience. So oh, yeah. Just, oh, yeah. just putting that out there. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Love that. Obviously Moses, I feel like they've, they've tried to do this before with the, the Moses story. So iconic that we, we do have some material there. Um, okay. Cool. Well, we're, we'll work on those after this episode. We'll get started on a, a script for Axe TV series. <laughs> but before we get started on that, Nate, uh, let me ask you about season seven. They they finished three seasons. From what I've read, the goal is to make seven seasons. Um, this is number. about like, yeah, <laughs> they've measured. It does make sense to me. It's it's satisfying number seven for a lot of reasons. And uh, I want to ask like, they're going to end. So we're going to get like the crucifixion of Christ in Mm -hmm. season seven. Um, What do they do with that man from a film perspective? Because there's no way it's as gory as the passion of the Christ, like Mel Gibson's uh, adaptation of those events. There's no way they go that hard into it. Um, But that, that was such a cinematic and like, you know, high budget, like Mel Gibson is a, you know, able, uh, maybe a controversial fellow, but definitely an able filmmaker. And uh, this is, this is going to be different, man. Like we actually see a couple people crucified uh, in season two. I think when Jesus goes into uh, maybe, you know what it is, it's when he's healing the paralytic at the pool of Bethesda. Uh, It's really actually horrifying looking like it's very just plain it's just like out there like casually like these guys getting crucified um and there's nothing really cinematic about it um so i think it could be really effective but i don't think it's going to be as gory um Mm -hmm. any quick thoughts on that yeah i mean that's that's definitely true i've actually heard dallas talk about that a little bit and and he he did say like he really respects the passion of the christ and and uh really you know, appreciates it as a film. 
and it was powerful for him and it was powerful for so many people. But yeah, he, he basically said there are a lot of things that Mel Gibson did in that movie and they've already been done. So we're not going to do them again. We're, mm-hmm. we're not going to fo- focus on that kind of torture aspect. And, mm-hmm. um, I think that's, that's a wise choice, right? Don't, don't try to kind of redo or retread what's already been done. Do do it a different way. And, and I would say that most likely the way that they will do that sequence, uh, of events well is the same way that they've tackled every other important sequence of events, which again is to tell it from the perspective of the people who knew Jesus yeah. most that yeah. it's less about just, you know, all these like close-ups on Jesus's face for an hour as he endures torture. I mean, there might be a little bit of that. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I think that Jonathan Rumi is going to, to obviously, you know, excel at that, but I think more so it's probably going to be about the reactions of all the people, you know, around yeah. Jesus and all those disciples and, and just the, the horror of that occurring. Um, mm-hmm. when, when, even though he told them it would happen, they still right. didn't expect it and certainly didn't yeah. expect it in that way. Um, the shaken faith of the disciples, right? This whole show about the chosen and this whole show about them following Jesus. And then their faith is shaken and mm-hmm. they're like running away and they're afraid and they're him. denying him and they're abandoning him. Mm-hmm. And that that is, there's so much drama to that, right? In so many ways, it's like a tragedy, a tragedy of human faithfulness. Um, mm-hmm. Because like all the faith and courage that should be there is just like not, like they don't have enough courage. And it's, it's, a, it's a tragedy that is only turned around by resurrection. So, Which I'm sure we'll we'll see as well because that's uh, so. again, disciples are a big part of that. You know, coming back and yeah, wow. So I think oh, there's I absolutely wait. a way to do it and do it in a way that's consistent with you know what the chosen is good at. Right. Yeah, I'm just so excited to see that. Yeah, man, just praying that they can raise the money and make this happen because it's they're not even halfway done yet. Right? What a journey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Bro, we've got Jonathan Rumi, which I just, we've mentioned him before. He is the actor playing Jesus. He also uh, plays an interesting character in this Jesus Revolution movie that I have not seen, but mm. has been kind of popular the last, uh, you know, the last month. People have been chatting about that. So this yeah. guy is emerging. He is beloved. I've got to check myself because I started following him on Instagram and I'm like, Cody, you know, this is not Jesus, right? Like, this is just a dude. Um, so... But uh, he is a fantastic actor and uh, appears to be a man of faith and um, just is doing such an incredible job with this. I'm sure it's blessed so, so, so many people um, how talented he is and feels like he gets it. So mm-hmm. if, if you had to cast uh, Jim, who's, who's the other guy, Jim Caviezel? Yeah. Who's your pick? Who's your pick for Jesus if you're, if you're filming something? They're both in their prime. They're both 30 years old. Who are you taking? Oh, I would, I would absolutely take Jonathan Rumi. Okay, well, come on, yeah. they didn't give Caviezel enough to do. Come on, man. <laughs> he didn't have me. He I, didn't have a lot of dialogue. In I like Caviezel, but man, I'm, I'm so impressed with Jonathan Rumi. Yeah, what, what an he's got, a, he's presence. got a humor too. Like, yeah. it's like, oh yeah, Jesus did have a sense of humor. That's good to know. Like, he's, he's so good. Yeah. Um, him uh, and, uh, I, and the actor who plays Peter is is so good like there there are a few kind of choice actors throughout that i feel like really sell their characters and you just you just don't you don't doubt them right you don't doubt like they're real people um yeah 
and Matthew's like, awesome. Yeah. What, like whether or not you like them all the time or you think what they're saying is good or whatever, like you just, you just believe them. You believe those words are coming out of their mouth. Um, and right. I think, yeah, I think, you know, Jesus and Peter are, are good examples of that. And, uh, and, and should be right. <laughs> like so yeah. such vital casting in a series like right. this, you can't get those wrong. There are some, there are some other characters where sometimes they're talking and you're like, yeah, this is, this is a script. They're saying lines, you know, yeah. but, uh, but some of those key characters are casted so well that you're just, you're drawn in and, and you don't question it. And that's, yeah. that's part of what makes the whole series hold together. Hmm. Little James, I actually really enjoy Little mm-hmm. James scene. That's an unsung hero, that scene where he, yes. he sends him out. And oh my gosh. Uh, yes. But yeah, Little James, Matthew, Mary, Peter, uh, Jesus, obviously. Can, can I ask a final question? Why is Peter so jacked? Like, why is Peter <laughs> like doing bicep curls like before they say action on set? Like, this man is just, his biceps are growing he's each hauling, episode. He's like, hauling fish, dude. <laughs> what is he doing, man? He hasn't been hauling fish for a while, dude. He's just been following. Jesus. How is he getting all this protein in the wilderness to feed these like pythons he's carrying around on his arms? Dude? Sure I can't men. make sense of it. Getting so strong every episode. Um, okay, dude, I'm going to wrap this up. We, I had a final question about like, you know, art, you know, being explicitly Christian and not a very forefronty question, but I'll just, I'll just ask you like final thoughts on, on this series before we wrap the up. You know, I, I think when most people think about Christians making art, they kind of naturally jump to picturing art inspired by the Bible itself. And Mm -hmm. the chosen is of course, one of those works. And, uh, you know, forefront, certainly we, we, we discuss and we support that type of art, but, but our, our focus is often on art that's kind of made by Christians, but it doesn't have an obvious connection maybe to the Bible or to evangelism. And of course that's because God created so many beautiful things in creation that don't kind of explicitly mention him. Um, and so as Christians, like we can create lots of things that glorify God in this kind of implicit way, but not explicitly. So we talk right. a lot about that, but I've been on the record as saying that we need, we need both. Right. And it's good to have both. Mm -hmm. It's good to have art that's based on the Bible. uh, And we also need art that's not. And so I think the the fact that a piece of art is based on the Bible uh, doesn't doesn't necessarily make it better or worse. We ought to judge the art based on its its quality. Right. To to raise up both kinds and kind of draw the distinctions less about what's the source material, but what's the quality of the artistry. And I think, you know, as you look at something like The Chosen, it's it's avoiding a lot of the pitfalls that other Bible-based art tends to fall into, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of Bible-based art is kind of preachy or moralistic. It's trying to teach a lesson, which is, you know, an understandable thing if this is if it's like for a sermon or for a Sunday school lesson. But that's not usually a good fit for a narrative, right? Or a piece of visual art. Those things are usually better suited to kind of capturing the audience's imagination, um, leading mm-hmm. them to ask the right questions. That's what mm-hmm. art's so good at, right? And mm-hmm. not so much toward this a kind of like didactic lesson. And that's mm-hmm. that's one of the things that the, the Chosen has really excelled at is, is understanding, I think, the, the power and the purpose of this medium of film and just mm-hmm. applying that toward capturing our imagination, getting us to just be in awe of Jesus yeah, and of his works. Um, so... I think, I think instead of leading to like an explicit lesson each week or each episode, um, 
the chosen is it's kind of preserving the mystery and the wonder of the Messiah. And it's, it's just like showing us the person of Jesus, his heart, his mercy, his wisdom. It's not telling us what to think. Um, in, in fact, like people from a lot of different denominations watch this show and like connect to it and, and see Jesus in it. Um, it's not telling us what to think It's, it's showing us who to think about. And so I think, um, you know, if any of you listening have kind of written this off as thinking like, yeah, this is just another piece of Christian art. It's just another one of these Jesus movies, Bible movies, and they're all just, they're all so corny and they're all trying to teach me a a Sunday school lesson. Um, I would say like, give it, give it, give it a chance, give it a watch. It's literally free to watch. Um, so I, I think it's worth, worth giving it a shot and, and trying to, you know, come at it on its own terms. I really respect it. I think it's, it's, it's a piece of narrative storytelling that, that leans into the strengths of that medium, you know, while also taking the appropriate care with the source material, um, the Bible. Yeah, man, totally agree. I think that it's, uh, it's strength is that it is not a, a Sunday school, uh, lesson, that is just trying to deposit information mm-hmm. in your head. You know, it's like, Hey, we took this first and we acted it out and here it is. This is, and, and we didn't do it well either. So here it is. You know, <laughs> um, It's, it's not that at all, man. It's not aiming at your head. It is aiming at your heart, I think. And uh, it's again, my ultimate takeaway, I, I couldn't have said it better than, than you said it a couple of years ago when you were urging me to watch this, which is, I just love Jesus more. I feel like I know him more. Um, and it's not because they told me more details that they imagined. It's just because like, oh, these words have br- been brought to life in a way that uh, maybe they weren't before. And it's, I think it, re- I think it's really a overall, a really God glorifying project. And I'm so thankful for it. I think you're right, man, about, um, about the impact of the show and like what really matters. And that's something that Dallas has mentioned that a lot of times when people see him, they're like, oh, it's like the chosen guy, you know, it's the guy who makes the chosen and, and he said a lot of times, like a surprising number of times, people just burst into tears and they yeah. just say, the chosen brought me back. It brought me back Dude. to the Bible. It brought me back to church. You know, I was previously hurt by church, but now it's brought me back. It's brought me back to Jesus, you know, and Dude. what a, what better legacy <laughs> Yeah. than that <laughs> dude it, it's it, it's incredible dude you see the the credits roll you if you watch an episode to the end you'll watch the credits roll and they've got these testimonials of people responding with a video saying oh man this is so big uh but then you also get the credits and it's like this is the director these are the actors and then it gets to the contributors <laughs> and it's thousands and thousands of names like the the crawl just goes on forever and mm-hmm. it's like Point two font size names because there's so many they pack in there and uh, it, it's had a huge impact and man I just <laughs> I, I, I love Jesus so much and um, I love him even more after watching this show I'll, I'll stop saying it but uh, maybe that yeah it's a good place to wrap for us uh, friends thanks for listening to sh- the show that's all we've got for you today if you enjoy the show uh, The Chosen then um, good for you we enjoy it too if you enjoy this show uh, you can also, um, we're not asking for your money, but if you want to leave a rate or review, you can, uh, you can do that. Give us a five-star rating on uh, whatever app you're listening to. Again, this doesn't make us wealthier men. It just simply helps other people find the show that might be interested in it. So, um, we appreciate if you do that. 
that's all for today. This is uh, from Cody and Nate, your friends at uh, Forefront Festival. Until next time, keep pursuing authentic faith and excellent art. Bro, can we do a quick little bonus uh, bit here on just a couple little nitpicks? (laughs) Yes, please, please. Okay. Jesus' hipster leather backpack. (laughs) Did did people even have backpacks back then? Jesus it's the has, coolest looking bag. Jesus dude. has his hip to it. It's like the leather goods that like the Happy Rand is like sponsored by. These nice leather. <laughs> it's like perfectly square and aesthetic nice for like clasp. this exact moment. Like, and Jesus it's is like, just like walking around like all of seasons one and two. He's just like walking around with this leather backpack. Got this dope leather bag that's like extremely in fashion right now. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. All dude. of the research and all of the like you know like committee of experts that review the scripts and stuff <laughs> they end up with this jesus's backpack it's not even a bag like a satchel <laughs> like a purse thing that right. like you should probably have like a thing strung across diagonally but no it's like a perfectly square which is the exact like what's in fashion like <laughs> i see people with that exact bag walking around toronto like in the business section know, all the time Bro, I haven't uh, checked their merch page, but I hope that's on it. I hope there's like a oh, chosen branded like Jesus backpack. <laughs> oh my god. That's gosh. hilarious, dude. I, I didn't I didn't think about it, but now as soon as you said it, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. That bag is way too cool for him. <laughs> there was a, a quote in the, the Texas Monthly article I mentioned. It says the chosen's liberal sprinkling of anachronisms, ancient Romans and Pharisees alike, casually drop phrases like freaked out, that's not a good look, and don't be salty. <laughs> Might irritate some not. purists. <laughs> Is that in there? They, they say these things? Oh, yeah. Like a lot, a lot of times we 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 miss it because we're just used to people talking like that. But it's like these people in first century Jerusalem are not saying, "Don't be salty." Don't be salty. (laughs) And like this is Uh, one that I love, but it's like it's obviously anachronistic. But I also love it when like Jesus makes a joke about ghosts, and then he's like. Too soon. <laughs> too, so, too soon. Too soon. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's like so that, true, dude. Like nobody would have said that until like I don't know, like ten years ago or something. Ten years ago. <laughs> too soon. <laughs>